Amen. Can we thank these guys for leading us in worship one more time? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn those to the 23rd Psalm. It's a psalm that you're familiar with. Today, our, our title or our theme is a psalm of Sabbath. As you're turning there, at the very beginning of quarantine, if you remember that from 2014... Uh, At the beginning of quarantine, I I had a realization that for the next few weeks that we were going to be uh, in a different rhythm. And whenever I'm in a different rhythm, uh, I will typically eat lots of Doritos. And for me, it was the stark reality of during this, I'm either going to gain 40 pounds or I'm going to lose 25. So I started to go to the... That's just how it works. You never, you, you never can lose as much as you would gain. So I started to go and and walk every day at the the trail beside the, the college, and I thought well, that'll be great. Now there have been numerous plans in those attempts to walk. One of those one day was I'm going to find the pace of an Olympic marathon-ish runner and I'm going to run at that pace as fast as I possibly can for as long as I can and if I don't die I'll go home so I took off sprinting for about 41 seconds and the pace that I was looking at online was around a six minute mile six and a half minute mile and I thought man that's I can do that for a little while By the time that I had fallen down, I noticed that my time was more like uh, seven minutes and a half, and I wasn't doing it for 26.2 miles. What a world we live in. So my next plan was to shift from that to what I call walk, shuffle, sprint. Walk, shuffle, sprint. Because it has been pointed out to me that my feet never leave the ground when I'm running. So walk, shuffle, sprint. So I I start to do walk, shuffle, sprint every single day. Walk, shuffle, sprint. Walk, shuffle, sprint. And whenever you're doing it at the college trail, you get used to these people, like these 80-year-old ladies walking by you really quickly, and and people with their dogs and babies, and sometimes people even put their dogs in strollers, which makes no sense to me. And and you have this rhythm and this pattern, and these people who are used to seeing you on this trail that's not on the road. There has been one moment when I traveled this summer where I decided that I would walk, shuffle, sprint in public, if you will. And as I did this, I had a scary, scary, really it was embarrassing. It was one of those deals where I had done around two and a half miles and I was walking, shuffling and sprinting, walking, walking, shuffling and sprinting. And closing in on the three mile journey, I had two trucks and three golf carts pull up beside me asking if I needed help. They thought, something's wrong with that guy. He needs a place to rest. Well, he can lay down in the back of our truck. Let's get him somewhere safe. The idea of rest. Now, I did not think that I needed rest. They knew that I needed rest. It is a huge idea to have conversations about rest. As a matter of fact, this weekend, we're having an entire holiday about rest. Ironically, people have chosen to get in their cars and leave this area and every other area to go rest somewhere where they're having to set up a vacation spot. But this is such a unique idea of resting. What does it mean for us to rest? How easy do we miss our need to rest because we're finding it in all of the wrong places? One pastor in Portland says this, It's God's mercy. He put a limit on the number of hours in a day and days in a week. Uh, Another pastor, well, Augustine of Hippo, not just a pastor, uh, one of the 
shapers of all that we understand as Christians said this, Thou madest us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. So if we're looking at a theme or a big idea for today's sermon, we need to rest in the Lord. I know that is... It seems like basic Christianity. But how often do we find ourselves seeking rest in other places? Seeking to rest in our jobs. Seeking to rest in our escape from our jobs. Finding our identity in everything other than the Lord. We need to rest in the Lord. Let me give you a messy outline for a text. Why do we need to rest in the Lord? Because He guides. He abides. And He provides. One more time for those in the back. We need to rest in the Lord because He guides, He abides, and He provides. Now usually I use the Christian Standard Bible and I'll walk through that in a few moments. But I'm going to read from the ESV because it's one that many of you are familiar with. And it uses language similar to the one that we are familiar with. So let me read this from the English Standard Version of the Bible where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So when David says this to us from Psalm 20, initial response of the people, any Jewish person who heard this, their mind would tie itself to the idea of young King David. He is the first person that pops in your mind. Because young King David was a shepherd. And we would read in the Old Testament the stories of his bravery and how they were spread about. Everyone understood and knew David. David was the champion of much of the Old Testament. He was the first king of Israel. But we miss that for a shepherding people. And we in Lake Jackson are chemical people. We are not shepherding people. If you're a shepherd, talk to me later. But we miss that for shepherding people, watching the flock was not the job that you gave to the strongest. You gave it to the weakest family member. You would give it to the one who could not do anything else. You would give it to the family member who could not carry the greatest weight. The shepherd's job, this job, was given to the weakest, the least of these We see this idea as we run through the entirety of Scripture, seeing Jesus refer to Himself as our Good Shepherd, that He came to be like us. He took on the the form of a man. Unless you have been a shepherd, you won't get what it is like to have a good one. So, So He says, the Lord is my shepherd. But I do love the way that the Christian standard reads in this passage because it doesn't say, I shall not want. Now, I understand it's saying the same thing, but it inverts the idea. The Lord is my shepherd, according to the Christian standard Bible, I have what I need. 
The end of shepherd that we have been given in God, that we have what we need. Now, sheep in the Bible, pretty big conversation. If you've ever read through your Bible or if you've ever Google searched Bible references to sheep, you've got over 700 references to, to lambs or sheep or, or you. There are 200 references in the Bible to you and I being sheep. We look into the scriptures and we see that God is saying that he is our shepherd and in our shepherd we have everything that we need. You've noticed here in this passage that something is happening pretty important if, if, you, if you're just reading. Much of the Bible reads to a we people. You read in the New Testament and you see that God has said to you that, that we are a chosen people. We have this plurality throughout the scriptures. But here, God is pointing out to us as well that we are a people who have an intimate relationship with God. That we have a relationship with God that goes to the the deepest, darkest crevices of our soul. Well, why does God want to make us know this, help us to see this? Because we do realize that in in the hardest times, in the difficult times... There is this realization that we have where it is us and Him and we have to be reminded that this is who He happens to be. This psalm is going to do something very unique because it's going to weave together the idea of theology. This is who God is. And the idea that God is someone I know. God is someone that I belong to. God is someone that I interact with. He, we So because the Lord is our shepherd and He gives us what we need... Not giving us every distraction of life, but but God provides for us. He is for us. He is not against us. He is there on our side. And because He is that, we can see how He represents Himself through the Scriptures. Because the Lord is our shepherd and He is exactly who we need, we see that he He lets me lay down in green pastures. Or He makes me lie down in green pastures in the ESV. God makes us rest. He leads us beside the quiet waters. He renews or He restores our life. He leads us along the right path for His namesake. God doing the work of guiding. Max Licato from San Antonio, pastor, writer, devotional provider, says that was inadvertently rhyming. (laughs) Wow. Uh, God is not behind us telling us to go. But God is in front of us telling us to come. That what God has for us, His provision for us, it's there. When you look into the, the, the way, the geography of the nation of Israel, it, it's very unlike what we would think of when we think of what green pastures. Green pastures aren't everywhere. Green pastures are in certain places. Green pastures are not around every corner. Green pastures are what you're seeking after, searching for. And the good shepherd is going to take you to the green pasture. The good shepherd is going to get you to the place where you can be provided for. The good shepherd is going to do for you what needs to be done. The good shepherd will get you to what you do not think is even available. The good shepherd... He renews or He restores my life. He leads me along the right path for His namesake. He leads me beside the quiet waters. The still waters is what your Bible may read. And we can look at what it means to be a shepherd when you read about the idea of their, the way they provide and the way they care for their animals. They would make sure that they got their sheep to water that was still, but the still water could not be water that just sat there. 
Because if water sits there, it becomes stagnant. So, so th there are stories of, of shepherds because taking rocks and forming still water out of what's actually running. Which means that this shepherd is always actively taking his people or his sheep to a place where they can drink from something that, is, that they can actually receive nourishment from without hurting themselves. And God uses this language to talk about himself. He is the one, the good shepherd who leads us beside the still waters. He provides for us. I, I love the idea of the, the shepherd reference here because of who makes it. When David makes the shepherd reference, he understood being a shepherd more than anyone. He understood being a shepherd more than any of us, more than myself. And David understood being a shepherd. And when he says that God is his shepherd, he is saying God is the one who I trust to do what I think I do best. Think about your own job. How many of us have had bosses or employers and we were frustrated because they've never walked the, walk, the way that we've walked? They've never dealt with the things that we've dealt with. But when you get a boss or you get an employer or you get someone who gives you direction, who's been where you've been, done what you're doing, it is helpful to say that's the person that I trust because they've been there. And David is saying, I understand shepherding, but this good shepherd, he understands it even better. He's taking me to the places that I don't even realize I need. The good shepherd. There's a famous book called A Shepherd's Guide to Psalm 23. W. Philip Keller wrote it. And in this book, he, he shares his own observations from his own life as a pastor. But even before he was a pastor, he was a, a literal shepherd. And he points out some things about sheep. He says this, The strange thing about sheep is that because of their very makeup, it is impossible for them to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. And here are the four requirements. First, for them to lay down, they have to be free of a fear of predators. So because they are such restless animals and afraid and unable to protect themselves, you all know, if you talk about whatever animal you happen to be discussing, many of them have uh, forms of defense. Sheep don't have that. Sheep don't have a form of defense. They have a person who defends them. First, they have to be free of a fear of predators. Second, they have to be free from friction with other sheep. So hear me there. Not only do they have to be away from predators, they have to be away from a sheep causing a stir. Sheep like to have beef with other sheep. We'll call that mutton. Sheep like to have mutton. They like to fight with one another. I've never seen a sheep fight, but that happens. For them to lay down, that has to be there. They have to be removed from that friction. Third, they have to have freedom from the torment of pests. Fourth, freedom from hunger for food. The shepherd, when he takes a sheep to a, to a place where it is provided for, he's letting them lay down in those places. He is removing all of those. Have you noticed what has to happen for that to take place? It is work on the part of the shepherd. When we think about the work of our Lord Jesus on our behalf, interacting with us, meeting with us, Jesus actively pursuing us, Jesus being God, Jesus taking the very form of a human, Jesus making himself like us so that he can protect, defend, provide for us. Because the shepherd guides, we need to find rest in God because he is the one who guides us. From that point forward in verse 4, you notice that we stop talking about the idea of a conversation about shepherds and sheep. 
We move from talking about He. You'll notice 1 through 3. He, 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 He. We now start talking about you. We go from a you conversation to a you conversation. That's my last sheep joke. You notice that in the text, God takes us to this lesson. That we are not simply people who are going to talk about God. We're people who get to talk to Him. How often do we follow up our realization with God is generous to our gratitude? God, thank you for providing for me. Because we look at this text and we notice in verse 4 that God is meeting us in the deepest, darkest places. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The fact that they are there gives comfort. The fact that they are used to give direction to us should give comfort. You are with me. Because the crisis of our lives, they draw us closer to God. And we are prone to talk to God in the deep places of despair. And we are prone to see the green pasture that He provides when we enter into those hard places. My boys have a business where they walk dogs. And... That I, the, I, those boys, they had, when I say they walk dogs, I believe they average what was it, forty thousand steps? This something like that. You, you had to. You know, I need a Fitbit that kid. Uh, but we we started to notice that, or I started to notice that, you know, as they're walking these dogs, we had a situation pretty early on in the business. When when I mean business, their business, not my business. I call them hustle and flow in the back of my head. But while they're working out their job, that's a joke. While they're working out this little job every single day, there was a moment where they had a situation where another dog attacked a dog they were caring for, and my kids didn't have anything to to. Fend the dog off. Thankfully, a dad ran out, took care of the situation in a sense, and it was really helpful. So I decided that I should make sure that they were protected from that point forward. So I went to Google, because Google offers you everything, and I found that there was a dog horn you could buy, and the dog horn will, if you press the button, it scares the dogs away, and it also draws attention to the fact that you're there. Uh, So hopefully that would help. But I also bought them pepper gel, not pepper spray, because that gets everybody pepper gel. You've got to be, uh, you know, like Hawkeye or something, but we're going to nail that thing in the face. (laughs) Shepard and Charlie, they, they walk dogs, and they used to walk in pairs, but the business got so busy that they're walking everybody's dog. If you were hooked up until 2027... The other night, Charlie was walking a dog and he had the pepper gel in his pocket. And he noticed that there was another dog coming near them. The dog, though, was walking. (laughs) Was walking with its owner. But it wasn't on a leash, so Charlie pulls out the pepper gel. Thankfully, my son did not pepper gel a basset hound. (laughs) But he has those things there to protect what he's caring for. What we see in this passage is God saying to us that I want to protect who I care for. 
have a rod and a staff to comfort you. I, I, we're going through the darkest valley. This is, for David, a reference to an actual place, more than likely. The place where you have to begin to interact with the sheep, not as sheep far away, but sheep you're in the midst of because you're going to have to touch every sheep as a good shepherd to lift them, to provide a place of protection for them, to get them from where they were to the place they need to be. You're going to have to interact. That's why we see He move to you. And He's saying here in this passage that God is not far from us. God is in our very midst that God is for us. He's going to lift us. He's going to protect us. And there will be moments where that rod and that staff are used to direct you. And it may even be painful, but He's marked you as yours. He's cared for you. He abides among us. He is in our midst, caring for us. Sometimes in ways that we don't realize. Oftentimes in ways that we don't notice. Possibly in ways that we don't even want to acknowledge, that we take for granted. On my best day, I don't notice. On my worst days, I take God for granted. But God says to you, I'm in your midst. Whatever you're walking through, the sickness, the loneliness, the heartache, I'm with you. I'm with you. I came to be in your midst. I stand beside you because I love you deeply. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Finally, we see that He provides for us. As we've noticed, this language keeps moving in a bigger direction. He provides for us because you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, David the shepherd is now making, using language like he's David the warrior. David who knew what it was like to be surrounded by foes. David who knew what it was like to be in places where he's cut off from provision. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You, as God, provide for me. We overlook the provision of God to the point that we have ignored it. That he cares for us. He loves us in a way that says everything that you you need because I am who you need. It's all right there. You anoint my head with oil. It it brings to mind what takes place when Jesus is anointed by the sinful woman in in the New Testament. And Jesus, when he is anointed by the sinful woman, there's a, a huge... It causes a frustration with those who are sitting in their midst. But that anointing is is him being prepared for what he is going to do as this king. Jesus is saying to us through Psalm 23, because make no mistake, Jesus is speaking to you through Psalm 23. That he anoints you as someone who can stand and know that you belong in his presence. That you belong to him, that he loves you, that he cares for you. That he is a God who is for you deeply. Verse 6, only goodness and mercy will follow me. I've always struggled with that verse because I didn't know what it meant. What does it mean to be followed by virtues? What does it mean to be followed by things that don't seem like they've got legs? What does it mean for good and faithfulness to follow you? I do love where the CSB reads pursue. 
more than likely that, that's the, the best interpretation of what the Hebrew says here. That we will be actively pursued by God. That's why Francis Thompson, one pastor points out Thompson's poem, which is called The Hound of Heaven, which sounds like a, it's a pretty jarring title if you think about it. But the idea of a hound is something that pursues. If I've learned anything from this dog walking business, I know lots of things about every dog ever. Hounds search things out. They seek things. And in Thompson's poem, just the first few lines it reads, I fled him down the night and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways. Of my own mind and in the midst of tears, I hid from him and under running laughter. We are going to run from God even as people who belong to Him. You may be in your running place now. In a place where though you have a relationship with God through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, you are fleeing from Him. And the promise of God for those He calls His own, those He's marked as His own, those He has chosen and made new. I'm going to come after you. I will not stop pursuing you. I am coming after those who are my own. And there will be a day where you realize who I am. Even in the midst of your running. Whether you're running towards things that are rebellious. Whether you're running towards things that are full of sadness. Jesus is saying to you, I'm never going to stop coming after you. Jesus coming after us. Well friends, why do we need a good shepherd? Why do I, why do you need a good shepherd in whose home I will dwell forever? In whose presence I will spend all the days of my life? Why do I need a good shepherd in a world that says that I can have anything else that my shepherd? Why do I need a good shepherd when I can look around and find other places that will satisfy me momentarily? Bring Bring joy to my heart in a moment. Because we need a good shepherd. We need a good shepherd because we will place ourselves in paths of destruction. There are going to be times where we have to see that we need a good shepherd because you will rest when you should walk. You'll need a good shepherd because he takes you where you need to go. He gives you daily provision. And we as followers of Jesus need to be reminded that He directs us. We need to be reminded that He is with us. We need to be reminded that He is His truth is provision for us. J.I. Packer, who wrote much, much commentary on the Scripture, said this, God has not abandoned us any more than He abandoned Job. Though you may feel like that. He never abandons anyone on whom He has set His love. Nor does Christ, the Good Shepherd, ever lose track of His sheep. Jesus, as you get to the New Testament, is going to talk about shepherding. He's going to reference that. In Matthew 9, Jesus takes, looks over the hillside and he sees the people of Israel wandering and saying that they are like, and he says this about them, they are like sheep without a shepherd. Now sheep get into lots of trouble if they do not have a shepherd. That they are, will even go cast sometimes. If you are unfamiliar with the cast sheep, it is a sheep that gets flipped upside down. And when a sheep has fallen, it cannot get up. It has no ability to get up. So for it to be set in the right way, the shepherd has to go take the sheep and flip it upside down. Right side up, not upside down, because that would not help the sheep at all. He flips the sheep right side up. 
And Jesus says as he looks around at his sheep, they are bickering, they are wandering, they are fighting, they are fleeing. They don't have any direction as to where they should go. And he says that these people, they wander without purpose, they're defenseless, they're bickering, they're fighting. And there's no one there to break them up. There's one, there is no one there to deal with them when they become afraid. They're like sheep without a shepherd. How often are we functioning like we are sheeps without shepherds? Because there's a good shepherd who has said things to us about how he wants to meet us and provide for us and care for us. I read from John 10 earlier. I want to read this over you again. Read this for my own heart again. That Jesus says, Truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it up for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. And Jesus said again, Truly, I tell you, I am the great for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and they are robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill. I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance because I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus points out that him laying his life down helps us to see that he is the one who guides us. He is the one who abides with us and he is the one who provides for us. Are we living in that reality? Are we resting in that? Because there are not enough naps for us to take to find true rest if we are running from that. But the beauty of the gospel is that he does not stop chasing after his own. And maybe today you may have a moment where you realize that he's, he's ran you down and that's good because he's a good shepherd who cares for you. His true sheep, he loves his people. Here's what I want us to do this morning. I invite you to bow your heads. If you're a guest with us for the first time, as we close out our services, maybe, just maybe you would like for someone to pray over you. If you would like that, I'll be in the back right-hand corner of the room. I'll have a mask there. Uh, and just if there's any discomfort, I want to provide that. If you don't want to follow up in that way, please feel free to connect with us as we showed earlier. If you're one of our church members and you have things that are heavy on your heart, please know that we love you and we want to pray for you as your pastors and elders. We care for you because God has called us to trust in the Good Shepherd and to be His underlings, if you will. Working for Him. I pray for you as, a, as our church family and I pray that God would help us to see Him and know Him because He's a Good Shepherd who's laid down His life for the sheep. I would love to chat with you if you need that. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for today. I thank you for these people. I pray that as we got moved to this time of response, that you will help our hearts to engage with what it means that you meet with us. We trust you, Jesus, and we believe that the hope of the world is you. We ask all of this in your powerful name.